0: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. On January 5th, 1992, the Broadway show titled On Borrowed Time closed. This phrase and this date is ironic for yours truly. and ultimately ties into the topics that we discuss here today with two members of the Sports History Network. But instead of a show on Broadway, this was a show I saw on TV. Game that was played in the Silverdome. Welcome to the Football History Dude Podcast. Where each episode
1: is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. Your host is Arnie Chapman. Football is his passion. And he wants you to come along with him to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board his DeLorean,
0: and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. Well, this time as we step off the DeLorean, the date is January 5th, 1992. We're in the Pontiac Silverdome. This is a playoff game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions. Barry Sanders would end up having one of his most iconic runs. Of course, which one can you pick because there's so many of them? This one, this is where he bounces off the defender, pinballs around, makes a guy trip over himself, and then another standing in the middle of the crowd with his best "oh, where did he go?" impersonation. In this game, the Detroit Lions would ultimately defeat that Dallas Cowboys in the Silverdome on this fateful day, thirty-eight to six. We had confidence, we had swagger, and we had a chance to finally do something after winning our first playoff game since nineteen. 19- 57. Now let me pause. Let that sink in just a little bit. We'll go back a little bit. December 29th, 1957. The Lions won the championship game. This was their last playoff victory, though. Until January 5th, 1992. What's the fuzzy math there? 92 minus 57? Oh, it's up there in the stratosphere. Let's just say a long time. But wait, there's more. The next game, the next week, they get crushed by the Washington Redskins in the 1992 NFC Championship game. Well, it was for the 1991 season. For the next 30 years, the Lions would make it to the playoffs eight more times, Eh, only to lose all of them. So yes, in over 50 years, My beloved Detroit Lions have only won one playoff game. Now, if that doesn't deserve a come on, man, I don't know what does. Yes, sure, there's other things you could talk about. I promise you, this episode is not a pity party for yours, truly. I'm using this as just a setup for this week's interview. Because it's a unique one for you. It revolves around two teams that the Lions played against in the playoffs in 1992. For the 1991 season, that is. And it also ties into what I said at the beginning. The irony of the Broadway show ending the same day of the Lions' last playoff win. Because, I guess they were playing on borrowed time. And although, when I recorded this intro, we just put a boat race whooping on the Cardinals. Yes, that's for you, Josie Emba. We just don't have much hope to get out of that time we borrowed for the game against America's team back in 1992 on January 5th. And now, that is the tie-in for this week's episode. America's team. The team from America's capital. We're going to get down to the nitty-gritty to talk to two podcast hosts from the Sports History Network about the great rivalry of the Cowboys and the Redskins from the 1970s and the 1980s. You may have heard this topic on the feed that you might be listening to it right now. Mark Mortier, of the host of the Yesterday Sports podcast covering the history of sporting events from mostly the 70s and 80s from Mark's point of view, had an article and a post talking about the great rivalry from that time, more so from his point of view as a Cowboys fan. Now, not too long ago, we brought on a guy to talk about his fandom for the Redskins during that same time frame. His name is Frank Redding, and he is the host of Ringside with Redding, boxing history from yesteryear, covering boxing history from all forms, but he kind of mostly dives in. He was a mega fan around the 80s and the 90s. So again, Mark is a Cowboys fan growing up near New York City, so go figure. Frank, the Redskins fan growing up in the Garden City of New Jersey, closer to Eagle Country. So we don't know where that makes sense, but... Again, enough of me giving you the backstory. We're going to dive into the conversation about the great rivalry of the Cowboys and the Redskins of the 70s, 80s here in a little bit. But again, if you're listening to this on yesterday's sports on that feed, well, hey, welcome to the Football History Do podcast. Have you never heard of it? Well, we're a show that we go back in time on the DeLorean. We go learn about the history of the gridiron one interview at a time. Whether it's a former player, author, historian, or maybe it's the podcast host, just like we're going to have today. Again, my name is Arnie Chapman, host of the Football History Do podcast. If you're listening over on the Yesterday Sports Feed, and if you're listening to the Football History Do podcast, this is also being played on Yesterday Sports Feed. So you got to go check out Mark's work and Frank's work after we have this interview. But speaking of the interview, let's just get right into it with Mark and Frank. The great rivalry of the Redskins and the Cowboys of the 70s and 80s. Taking that back in time, first thing we got to bring here, we got interesting, like we discussed, we've got Mark, the Cowboys fan, Frank, the Redskins fan. Both of you grew up in New Jersey. So let's start there. Neither one of you grew up where the, the fan was. Mark, why did you grow up a Cowboys fan when you lived so close to New York City?
1: Well, um... It was mainly, I guess it was mainly because of my older brother. I did kind of like the Giants at that time. I, I started watching football probably around 1969. I was seven years old. And I kind of liked the Giants, but the Giants did not have a good team at that time. And my brother uh, became a Cowboys fan when he was watching the ice bowl, the famous ice bowl between the Packers and Cowboys. And so he kind of convinced me to become a Cowboys fan because the Giants had uh, such a bad team. But then as soon as I became a Cowboys fan, the Giants had a good season in 1970. Uh, They almost won the division. I think they finished with a nine of five record and the Cowboys, uh, were not doing well, but they finally uh, got a, got hot and they won the division. So from there, that, uh, you know, then they lost to the Colts in the Super Bowl. And after that, I was pretty uh, pretty much booked on being a Cowboys fan.
0: So is it fair to say that you became a fan before they were America's team then? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so I saw them lose uh, to the Browns. 1969 playoffs, and then the following year they made it to the Super Bowl, lost to the Colts on the last second field goal. And then uh, the following year they finally won the Super Bowl. But my brother uh, suffered a lot longer than I did because he saw them lose, I think, five years in a row. He saw them lose. And then, you know, finally they beat the Dolphins.
0: (laughs) You know, we, we, we uh, joke about this before, Mark. I know you haven't come on the Football History Dude podcast. Frank recently has. I'm a Lions fan, so I don't, I don't feel any hard feelings for any of you when you talk about losing seasons and things like that. Oh, yeah, you? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so, Frank, again, we had you a couple weeks ago on uh, the episode to talk about your love for the Washington football team. Back then, when you watched them, they were the Redskins. But why Why a Washington Redskins fan growing up in Eagle Country?
2: Well, my uh, experience is similar to that of Mark, except I didn't have a brother. Right? I had a younger sister who was actually a Cowboy fan. But, uh, but it's similar in the sense that uh, 1973 was my first season. And I was also seven years old. And the Eagles were the team in this area. And they were a below average team. So I said, you know, I'm going to follow somebody that's that's at least a – at least a fringe contender anyway. So then that's what got me attracted to Washington.
0: Okay. And so you all, it's kind of funny because you talked about the sister being a Cowboys fan where the rivalry and we'll talk, we'll get into that right here. That's where I want to get both of you different sides of the story, different fan, what we'll call it. Uh, Mark, in one or two sentences, maybe if it goes over, that's fine. How would you describe to someone like myself, who did not grow up living through the 70s, 80s, what the rivalry between the Cowboys and Redskins was like?
1: Oh, I, I've, I, I never saw a rivalry like that. Um, it was a very heated rivalry. There was some true dislike. And it really started with the hiring of Coach George Allen, who had coached the Rams, uh, 1971 the Washington Redskins hired him and for whatever reason he really disliked the Cowboys and he got his players to buy into it and uh, it was a very heated rivalry uh, there was no no uh, no love lost between these two teams and they did not uh, hide their feelings for each other <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you brought that up in the episode, so we're going kind of a little bit of a ways back. I remember where you, the, you, uh, the the tagline or the headline, whatever it is, in the article for your post was "The Rivalry is Born" or something. And you just you talked about George Allen, and I want to say something about sent like he was worried about the Cowboys sending spies when he was at the other. TF. What, what what was that story again?
1: Yeah, there is a lot of that goes around in the NFL still to this day, but. Um, and when he was coaching the Rams, uh, the Cowboys uh, ha- had accused him of sending spies to their practices, and uh, they were not the only team to accuse George Allen of doing that. So uh, maybe it was true, maybe it wasn't, but uh, George Allen just did not like the Cowboys for whatever reason, and he... Uh, Got his players to buy into it. And there was one player in particular, uh, defensive end by the name of Dyron Talbert, who played with him when he was with the Rams. And uh, Talbert really had a, uh, a rivalry with the quarterback, Roger Staubach. And uh, in fact, in, in the 1974 Thanksgiving game, he said before the game that they were going to knock Starback out of the game. And they did just that. They knocked him out with a concussion. Uh, so, yeah, like I say, uh, the Cowboys were not the only ones to accuse George Allen of sending spies to their practices. So whether it was true or not, I don't know. But uh, George Allen didn't like the accusation. And uh, so as soon as he got hired by the Washington Redskins, he got his players all fired up and said, you know, this team isn't going to just have a cakewalk to winning their division anymore. And in uh, the third week, his, his very first season, 1971, they played each other in the third week and Washington beat Dallas 20 to 16. So he showed that, uh, he meant business.
0: (laughs) So speaking of that, so Frank, when you, you said 73 was when you really became a fan then. So he was already there, the George Allen era, we'll call it. And the rivalry would already kind of was kicked off. I mean, growing up then, so you'd have been a little bit younger there. What, what was it like for you? The rivalry? I mean, was it a big deal from your neck of the woods?
2: Oh yeah, well well getting back to a couple of things that uh that Mark mentioned. Okay, now Mark, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this. Didn't Dyron Talbert's brother Don, I believe, played for the Cowboys.
1: Yes, that is correct. He was a backup offensive lineman.
2: Okay, and um and that game you're talking about was in the Cotton Bowl. The third game of the season oh, uh, yeah, 2016, the sixteen uh game there okay and, and george referred to the cowboys as those damn cowboys that's what he would call them and then i like that story about how um how when george is wearing a ghee, did you ever hear that story mark where he uh he had that uh he had wood there and he chopped the wood and all his players were, were hey george get him george get him george he said i'm gonna come out and i'm gonna beat tom landry up
1: <laughs>
2: really kind of guy was a piece of work real character
1: yeah, George Allen was a character that's for sure
2: so he he added some intensity to that rivalry oh okay. yeah like you mentioned he got all his players on board with that too to, to, it was like a it was like a tradition being a Washington player at that time to hate the Cowboys
1: right absolutely he he, he had a player on his team whose first name was actually Dallas, Dallas Hickman. His name was,
2: yeah, I remember him
1: and he refused to call him by his first name.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So is this okay? Again, we're going back to, I, you know, I didn't live it. Was this a big discussion on the national broadcast? Like now we might hear him talk about something else, but was this a big deal around the, all of the NFL world?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I would uh, agree with that, because they were both in the same division, the NFC East, and, and Dallas pretty much was the kings of that division, and when George Allen came along, the Cowboys were a superior, talented team, but uh, but Washington at least gave them a challenge for the division, and they didn't run away with it anymore, so yeah, oh yeah, it was big.
0: Mark, you grew up in the okay so you should have been maybe a Giants fan or I guess even a Jets fan is kind of close too. What uh, was it a big deal where so okay, we just had as we were recording this, Michigan just played Ohio State and from what I understand they they put a good whoop into them so I can go ahead and say that on the air. But was it one of those deals where even if they were having a bad record, which really weren't too many bad records during that time frame, as long as when those two teams played each other, that's all that mattered that year. If you win, you you had a pretty successful year.
1: Well, uh, it was really between the two of them for the division title uh, all through the early seventies, and then uh, actually the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, they they. Uh, gave them both a run for their money for I think 1975, 76 and 77. So now it became uh, a three-team race, but most throughout most of the 70s it was between the Cowboys and the Redskins for the division title. So I wouldn't say that, you know, just because you beat just because just because uh, you beat Washington you know, you did not, con- and, and the same goes for Washington. If Washington beat Dallas, they did not consider it, you know, we had a successful season. They still wanted to win the division and go on to the playoffs. And most of the time they both were in the playoffs.
0: Again, you're talking to Alliance fans. So, you know, if we beat the <laughs> Packers, the one out of 20 years or whatever it was in a row, we're doing good. Um Let's, let's with that, let's take our DeLorean, the first actual trip here. So I have the DeLorean. I'm not sure if you can see it, Mark. We had to modify it so all three of us can fit in it. Uh, I was given a game a date, December 16th, 1979, the last regular season for a quarterback that some people around these parts might know about. But the quote that I got from Frank was, this was possibly the most thrilling and exciting games he had ever watched. Let's go ahead and start this off, Frank. Let's talk about this game and then Mark, you chime in too.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. It was uh, everybody. The Eagles, uh, Washington, and Dallas were all ten and five. And the way it was set up was that if Dallas won the game, of course, and they won the division, but if Washington won the game, they would have won the division because they beat Dallas earlier in the year, thirty-four to twenty. Okay, now, um, now the Eagles. Um, ended up winning so they both Dallas and Eagles both finished 11 and 5 now what happened was Washington lost that game 35 to 34 but the Cardinals played Chicago and Chicago beat them that day 42 to 6 so Chicago had to win by more than 33 points which they did and they finished 10 and 6 and Washington finished 10 and 6 and they Bumped Washington out, and and by this time in 1978, there was two wild card teams in each conference. By then, so the Eagles and Chicago ended up being the wild card teams, and Washington was out in the cold. But but the way this game started off is Washington went ahead seventeen to nothing, and then before you know it, Dallas was ahead twenty one to seventeen. Then Washington took over again and was head thirty-four to twenty-one with five minutes left. And here Dallas scores two touchdowns and knocks them out, knocks them out of the playoffs. <laughs> it was a, it was a thrilling game. It was one you would sit on the edge of your couch watching it because it was so thrilling, and exciting. But the result was not favorable for a Washington fan.
0: It was for a Dallas fan, though. So speaking of that, I mean, you mentioned uh, how this was Staubach's last regular season game. I'll ask this to Mark. Is this something that was known going into the season or to this game that that was going to be his last game, or did that get found out later?
1: No, I don't think there was any. I don't think he really spoke about retirement until after the season was over. Uh, As far as I can remember, I I don't remember any – Talk about him retiring, but after the season was over, uh, he had quite a few concussions during his career, and he was getting up in age. Although he never really, uh, his age never really affected him. I think he was maybe thirty-eight when he retired because he started. He start, He didn't really start uh, until he was twenty-seven because of his naval commitment but i think after the season he just uh, talked it over with his family his wife and you know i think it was mainly the the concussions that concerned him but uh, the game that uh, frank spoke of yeah i i can remember that the back and forth uh, washington took the big lead and then dallas came back and then washington came back and took another lead and then dallas came back again and it was really uh, had like you said had you on the edge of your seat and an interesting little story about that game is um, after the game Harvey Martin uh, there was a funeral wreath that was sent to Harvey Martin's house during the week with a tag on it that read from the red from the Washington Redskins but it actually did not come from the Washington Redskins. The wreath was delivered by a Cowboys fan who felt that Martin needed a little extra motivation. So, you know, Harvey Harvey Martin actually thought it came from the Washington Redskins. So after the game was over, he burst into their locker room and threw the wreath at, at, at the team.
0: Only to find out later that it actually was from a Cowboys fan trying to right, get him a little bit Tom of fire. Tom Landry
1: makes Tom Landry made him apologize, and yeah, yeah, he found out later that it was from a Cowboys fan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it's a good story.
0: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I had to look up. I mean, not to be uh, again, I had to see who Harvey Martin was. It looks like uh, very this is a defensive end or tackle?
1: Yeah, defensive end.
0: Okay, yeah, he uh, looks like he was a big time star there too. I mean, but he didn't. He he's not in the Hall of Fame, correct?
1: No, uh, he had some good seasons. Uh, he had one season, I think, where he had twenty three sacks, and that was only when they had fourteen game schedule. Yeah, so he was. Wow. He, he had some really good seasons, and uh, I wanted to ask Frank. Uh, he was talking about that. Uh, the playoff situation with with the uh, the Bears had to win by a certain amount of points. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Did they did they already know that the Bears had won before the game started?
2: Uh, I believe so because I think that was an earlier game. If I right. remember, remember the Washington Dallas game was a 4 that p.m. Was, game.
1: Yeah, that was the later game.
2: Yes, so that was shown it was. nationally around the country too.
1: Yes, so Washington knew that they had to win that game, or they were out.
2: Yes, and yeah, and, and you know, I just wanted to add too, uh, Mark, that you know, Super Bowl Twelve, Harvey Martin was the co MVP of that game with Randy White.
1: That's right. Yes, the only co MVPs. Yeah, two the only time there was co-MVPs right? and there was one big play I remember in that uh, Washington-Dallas game the 1979 game uh, where John Riggins needed to get a first down I think if he would have if he would have gotten the first down Washington might have just been able to run out the clock but Larry Cole, the defensive tackle for the Cowboys, uh, burst into the backfield and stopped Riggins, and Washington had the punt. And then that's when Staubach went to work. Staubach
2: <laughs> performed his magic like he did so many other times. Right. Oh, he, he was something else.
1: Yeah. Captain Comeback, they called him.
2: Oh, one of the greats of all time, no doubt
0: well let's let's do that then okay so i'm jennifer parker from back to the future i just got knocked out and i'm sitting in the delorean right and you guys are just gonna go wherever you want you're biff Tannen, i guess you could say let's just i'm gonna let both of you take me through the rivalry that is the cowboys and the redskins of the 70s and 80s just go from spot to spot frank you can start and then mark you chime in and you guys just take us as a listener down for a whirlwind
2: okay sure uh well, some great um well not not to uh rub this in uh Mark, but just um you know they played an NFC title game twice in 72 and 82 and Washington was victorious both times in Washington. Now on Dallas's side during the 70s, they played on Thanksgiving twice and Dallas was victorious in Dallas.
1: That is correct, yes. I remember all those games. I remember the nineteen seventy two championship game. Uh, it, it actually was a close game up until the fourth quarter. I think Washington led ten to three going into the fourth quarter, and then they just uh, took over in the fourth quarter and scored sixteen unanswered points and went on to win twenty six to three and I'm still not over it. <laughs> and that was, that was I, I think that may have been, uh, well, up to that point anyway, that was certainly uh, Washington's best team that they ever had. That was uh, a team that went to the Super Bowl, and unfortunately they had to play at the undefeated Miami Dolphins.
2: Right. Well, well, you know what? I I believe too, uh, Mark, I believe that was their Super Bowl, beating Dallas at home in front of their, their arch rival in front of their hometown crowds, because two weeks later against Miami, they were, they were flat.
1: Yes. Yep. So um, we talked a lot about the seventies, but actually the rivalry did continue up and in, up into the eighties. Uh, it seemed like after it was after the 1977 season where George Allen was no longer the coach, it seemed like you know the rivalry was fading, and then uh, it picked up again, really. I think because, well, first of all, Dyron Talbert was still there, but then they had a new quarterback, Joe Theisman, who was uh, pretty uh. I guess at that time, he was young, and he was pretty arrogant, and he liked to rub it in when, whenever Washington was on top, so he kind of re- revived the rivalry, I think, Joe Theismann, and yes. then, uh, and then uh, Washington had a bad season in 1980, they were only 6-10, and 10. then they were 8-8 eight and eight the following season, Yes. Then they hired Joe Gibbs, and then that's when the Redskins uh, started to win Super Bowls when they hired Joe Gibbs.
2: The glory years of that organization, and and just a couple of things they add to that is Joe Theismann is a native New Jerseyan from South River, and yeah, he was he was awful cocky. See, you know what?
1: And he played with Drew Pearson, right?
2: that's yes they, yes they were and drew pearson was a quarterback at tulsa as well right. so yeah they, they were i believe you know what i believe seism was in the senior year and, and pearson might have been like in his freshman year i think they only played together for one season but they did were at the same high school that's right that's correct right yeah 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 and um and, you know, another thing, with 1980, that's the year John Riggins sat out for a year.
1: Oh, that's right. That's okay, right. and then
2: Joe Gibbs brought him back in 1981. Then, then, like I said, the glory years of that organization were the Joe Gibbs years from 81 to 92. That's when the that team was a force to be reckoned with. And, and oh. to me, you know what, that was the... That was probably the most important and best win in Washington history is the 1982 title game when they beat Dallas.
1: Yes, they had a very good team. And then the following season, they had another really good And I don't know if you remember, I'm sure you remember, With, uh, I believe it was the first game of the season, Monday night, uh, Washington and Dallas at RFK.
2: 31 to 30, to September 5th, of 83. And you know what? That was Daryl Green's first game, too.
1: Oh, was it? I didn't realize that. Yes. And that was another uh, back and forth game. The Cowboys right. were behind 23 to 3 at halftime. Yep, that's right. And they came storming back. Mm-hmm. And then uh, every time it seemed like uh, maybe the rivalry was starting to fade and it wasn't quite what it used to be. <laughs> Something right. would happen, and it usually involved Joe Seisman.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, there you go, right?
1: <laughs> so uh, there was an incident in uh, 1984, and Dallas was starting to, uh, you could see they weren't quite the, quite the same dominant team they had been. So they were starting to go downhill a little. And there was a game where Washington had the lead, thirty to twenty-eight, and all they needed to do was take a knee and let the clock run out. But <laughs> Joe Seisman liked to rub it in, so he would he took a knee, but then he'd get up and he'd hold the ball, he'd hold the ball up, and he was taunting the the Cowboys players, and <laughs> he did that three times in a row. He'd take a knee. Then he'd get up, hold the ball up, taunt the Cowboys. <laughs> and then uh, there was a cornerback uh, for Dallas, Ron Fellows, who had enough of it. And he leveled Thaisman And then there was a bench-clearing brawl. And the referees actually uh, ended the game with 24 seconds remaining on the clock. Hmm. Because there was a, a bench-clearing brawl. Wow. Well.
0: So, okay, I got to stop you there, Mark. I've never heard of that, where they actually had to end the game with 24 seconds left on the clock. So they basically called it and left the the time on the clock and still gave them the victory?
1: Yes, because it was, uh, I believe it was fourth down. Yeah, well, really, like I say, all Washington really had to do was run out the clock, (laughs) which is what they were doing, but uh, Seisman was rubbing it in. So a bench clearing brawl ensued and the referees just couldn't get control of the game. You know, it was just, it just got so out of hand that they just said back with it, you know, we're just going to end the game before somebody gets hurt.
0: Can either of you recall a time when that's ever happened where the game has ended without zero, zero, zero on the clock?
1: Uh, not that I can recall.
0: Okay. I I can think of one off the top of
2: my head. Um, the college all-star game against, with Pittsburgh in 1976 only went into the second, though, but yeah, you know, that's an exhibition game, of course, but there was a torrential downpour of rain and the game never completed. It ended in like the middle of the second quarter. Do you remember that Mark?
1: I do remember that. And I think that was the last time. They had the College All-Star game.
2: Yes, that's correct.
1: Yeah, yeah. The coaches did not like that game. <laughs> but then, uh, well, I think uh, the final final year really where the rivalry was still had some spark to it, it was 1985, and uh, the Cowboys beat Washington on a Monday night game. 44-14, to 14, and it was only, I think, maybe three or four weeks after that game that Seisman had that horrific leg injury, and that was the end of his career. And that pretty much ended the the rivalry, too.
2: What, what, you know what else I remember about that season? See, I, I was fading away from football at that time. I was getting into my box and them. At, at big time then, but you know what? I was visiting a friend of mine who was in the Navy. Okay. he was out in Norfolk, Virginia. And that was, let's see, November the 10th of, um, of 85, that would have been. And Washington got beat by the Cowboys 13 to seven. Cause I remember watching that game. It was on TV. They were showing it and that was Virginia right next to DC. So that game got a lot of, so Dallas beat them twice that year.
1: Oh, okay. I don't remember the first victory, but I think if uh, if I'm not mistaken, I I think that was the season that Thiesman had the uh that horrific leg injury, right?
2: You know what? It was the next week after that because that was, if you remember, that was on Monday night against Lawrence Taylor with the Giants. That was right. one week later, in fact.
1: Oh, I didn't realize it was only one week later. Yes. Yeah, and that was the end of his career.
2: Yeah, that was it.
1: And that pretty much was the end of the rivalry. Right. But that was uh, pretty much uh, about a 15-year rivalry. And uh, that was a very heated rivalry.
2: I'm going to add one line. Uh, Arnie, I'm going to add a line that I use from the uh, the ringside of Reading. One for the ages.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that absolutely. was one for the ages, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> yeah. as you would say. Okay, we'll speak. Okay, one for the ages. Now will I'm going to hop back in. I just woke up. I have my sedative as worn off. And I'm going to ask you both the same question, but from a different perspective. It's kind of like what we'll call a reverse Mount Rushmore. Um, Frank, I'll ask you first. You can pick four Cowboys players during the 70s, 80s. Rivalry that if you had a chance, you'd pluck them away and bring them over to Washington. Who oh, would they be? Roger
2: Stahlback, number one, without a que- question of a doubt. Okay, now, now here's a couple. Of, now I'm going to go off this for just a second, if you don't mind. Okay, because well, me and Mark been in contact on on email. Okay, and there's three players I could think of off the top of my head from that '70s era. That actually played for Dallas and came to Washington. They were as follows: Dwayne Thomas, Calvin Hill, and Gene Fugit, all came to Washington from the Cowboys earlier in that decade. Okay, but but um, anyway, yeah, Roger Stolbeck would be one. Drew Pearson would be another. Okay, Tony Dorsett, and let's see. I'll go with a defensive player as well. Um.
0: Harvey Martin. All right, Mark, how about you? Same thing, but the other side.
1: Oh, I would start off with uh, a running back by the name of Larry Brown. Uh, He played, I forget what his final year in the league was, but in the early 70s before uh, his knees got wrecked. He was pretty much, you know, top three every year in the top three running backs in the league. And then I would have to pick uh, Hall of Famer Ken Houston, one of the best defensive backs to ever play the game. Ken Houston. Oh, and that that um, Monday night game, we didn't mention <laughs> the, the famous Ken Houston game. 1973 Monday Night Game. Uh, Washington was ahead 14 to seven, and this was before they started overtime. I, yeah, this before they started overtime. So Dallas was about to tie the game to make it 14 to 14, assuming the extra point was good. Uh, Wolf Garrison, Cowboys running back, had the ball. He was just about to step into the end zone, and Ken Houston came from behind and uh, wrapped his arms around Walt Garrison, and Walt Garrison could not get into the end zone, and that's how the game ended, and I don't think I slept a wink that night. And uh, another player I think I would have to take would be another defensive back by the name of Pat Fisher. Uh, very small. I uh, think he only weighed about 170 pounds, but uh, very uh, ferocious tackler was, had no fear, no fear at all. I think he was only about five nine, 170 pounds. And then for my fourth player, well, I think I'd have to go with Charlie Taylor, another Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame wide receiver who uh, used to kill the Cowboys. Uh, especially in that 1972 championship game. Uh, he had, I don't know how many receptions, and he had well over 100 yards in that game. So those would be my four, Larry Brown, Ken Houston, Pat Fisher, and Charlie Taylor.
0: All right, so we got a good makings of a team if we could combine both of those together. And again, speaking of combining both of them together, I want to thank both of you for this, uh, we'll call it, uh, once in a lifetime ladies and gentlemen we have the the rivalry where we bring two guests on the football history dude podcast to talk about their fandom for their teams you know yesteryear of, of the gridiron uh, with that this is the football history dude podcast but this is also going to be played on yesterday sports mark how about you tell the listener of this show seems like you've never been on here a little bit about what yesterday sports is
1: well it's about uh mainly it's Sports from the 1970s is mainly what I focus on. I do sometimes delve into other decades, but I try to uh, do a variety where it's not just about football, but I do have some other sports that I cover, baseball, basketball, uh, boxing a little bit. And uh, I even have a few on pro wrestling and weightlifting. Uh, Ken Patera, I'm considering doing a, a podcast on Ken Patera, who was uh, an Olympic lifter that uh, eventually went into pro wrestling. So um, basically, it's it's just uh, sports of yesteryear, which is mainly what uh, yesterday's sports is about. And that's mainly what the Sports History Network is about uh, sports of yesteryear, so
0: for sure. And that's speaking of Sports History Network and yesterday's sports. You were, I want to say, number four or five. You were one of the very early podcasts, and you've been with us from near the beginning. And on the other side of that, we have one of our newer podcasts, Ringside. We're writing boxing history from yesteryear. Frank, I know we talked about it a little bit, but remind the listener of the show what your show is all. Your podcast is all about.
2: It's all about uh, educating the uh, listener about the history of the sport of boxing, mostly from uh, from yesteryear in the days, for the most part. I mean, I do dive into some historical, but my fandom is really from the 1980s and 90s is when I was a mega fan. But I, I'm kind of historical anyway, so I go back in time and uh, talk about You know, like you mentioned, the Pound for Pound podcast got a lot of good um, um, notoriety and stuff. So, yeah, I I dive into the history of it from the early days.
0: And with that, do you have any last words of wisdom, Frank, for the listener of the show?
2: Be happy, be
0: safe, and be well. Mark, we'll throw it over to you. How about you?
1: Well, I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving weekend, and God bless everyone, and I hope you enjoy the show. And me and Frank will continue with our podcasts, and we look forward to doing more work with you, Arnie, and the Sports History Network.
0: How about that? An awesome conversation between two podcasters on the Sports History Network reliving their fandom for their teams during one of the greatest rivalries in NFL history. It's kind of cool that they both remembered being seven years old at the time, which kind of gave me that whole thought about the Lions and their first, well, (laughs) first playoff win in the last whatever years, their last playoff win in so long. We'll just talk about, let's not talk about the length of time, but the last time they won a playoff game, I also happened to be almost seven years old. So it kind of tied all back into the introduction of the show. Now, I enjoyed, personally, hearing to them talk about their fandom and getting into the origin of the fandom, but I thought the best part was when I basically just shut up, I'm Jennifer Parker, knocked out on the DeLorean, and I say, hey, you two have at it. That's when we got to the real meat and potatoes of what I thought was pretty cool. There's the two guys, not that they were disliking of each other's franchises it was just two guys who were reliving these cool stories from the fandoms of their childhood and growing up watching their favorite teams but then reminiscing of the cool plays and such from the other guys just you know two guys talking about a rivalry that they used to watch like their buddies at a bar you might not know it but they just recently met via the sports history network and as you can tell they hit it off that's one of the main things that we're trying to foster here at SHN. We're looking for passionate sports history people to join our community. Now, if you think you fit that criteria, then reach out to us over on the website. We're always interested in bringing on more sports history podcasts. And I, I tell you what, even if you, you're you not really, ah, I'm not so sure I want to get into this whole podcast thing. I don't know what that thing means all about. But I tell you what, I'm good at writing articles and I have a whole lot of knowledge and passion about sports history. Well, there you go. If you want to write an article for the Sports History Network first, kind of take a little dabble dabble crack at the water, you can do that over at the Sports History Network website as well. Head to sportshistorynetwork.com, just reach out to us. If you are interested in starting the podcast, I'll personally help walk you through the process and get you started. In fact, it's one of the greatest joys I have at the network. I thought that I was getting into this because I wanted to start a podcast network of a bunch of other people and kind of go around and, hey, you do your own thing. But then I found that when people come in with, they're like, hey, Ernie, I tell you what, I got this idea. I want to start a podcast. I, I love this. I got a book about, say, whatever, football history. But I just don't know how to do that whole podcast thing. And there you go. Well, I'll tell you what, bring it on over. I'll help you out. We get this thing started. Boom, bam, for before you know, we got When Football Was Football. We have Pro Football in the 1970s. Those are the first two on the network, and then we just keep going on and on and on. So again, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com, reach out to us over on the contact page. And while you're at it, you got to head to the podcast page as well. You got to check out Mark's show, Yesterday Sports, and Frank's show, Ringside with Reading, as well as all the other awesome sports history podcasts we have on the network. And looking at the calendar here, as I'm recording this, we're about a day, eh, two days before Christmas. So, I know you're going to listen to this after the holidays, but I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and just like Oz from Truly the Goats always says, stay historical. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Football History Dude. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode... Please subscribe
1: on your podcast player of choice and head on over to thefootballhistorydude.com for the show notes and more information on the history of the NFL. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads.